Hello, and welcome back to How To Be Happy, a podcast where we explore all the ways that we can live a happier life. Each week, we're talking to happiness experts, celebrities, and ordinary people to uncover their secrets to living a good life. My name is Kate DeBrito. I'm your host and guide on this journey into happiness. Let's begin. Lisa Messenger is an author, businesswoman, entrepreneur, and motivational speaker. She runs a successful multimedia business, The Collective Hub, and is well known for her contagious, positive outlook on life. But it wasn't always this way. She's dealt with depression and also quietly weathered a very challenging decade of fertility issues before and after meeting her current partner. A problem solver by nature, Lisa enthusiastically attempted to solve this problem with multiple attempts at IVF, but to no avail. At her lowest point, it appeared this was one area where her positivity would not generate the results she wanted. Until, as many doors had slammed closed, another opened. Her good friend, Sarah Meganson, offered to be her surrogate. And now, thanks to the generosity of Sarah and, I would argue, her unstinting, positive outlook on life, at 51, Lisa is about to become a mother for the first time. In this episode, we talk about the value of shining that positivity on all areas of life. I want to dive right into it, Lisa. You're, I think anyone who follows you on social media or knows you personally knows you're an incredibly positive person. But I think a lot of people struggle with positivity. What do you think are, are three things that people could do today to be more positive? So that is a great question. And I would say for me it's definitely been a learned skill set. I mean, I think I always probably lean towards being you know a glass half full or you know the eternal optimist but it's really been learned because as many of us know particularly people who are listening to this um you know things come at us every single day that are often beyond our control but what we can control is how we respond and so for me it always starts with mindset so I would say for me, it's been about learning to, let's go, number one, number two, number three, learning to reframe things. So I often kind of go, okay, that happened. Rather than say that happened to me, it's I reframe it and go, ah, that happened for me. Okay, what is the springboard? What is the lesson that I can take from that? So I think that is one thing that I do every day because it's just taught me to kind of go, oh, that's really horrible. And rather than going to a victim mentality, I kind of go into, hmm, that's an interesting challenge. What can I learn from this? So that's number one, reframing your mindset. The other thing is leaning into things that light your soul on fire and knowing what to say no to or what to let go of. So I think that's really been very important to me. It's about, you know, those things that kind of you feel like you're walking through mud. So I try and say no and that's hard sometimes as a people pleaser (laughs) but that also keeps me kind of in the light and keeps me positive and then the third thing would be absolutely unquestionably um movement for me I said movement and meditation so you know I go from like the high adrenaline pumping kind of thing so and that looks different 
um, depending on what stage I'm in at in life. At the moment, I'm loving F45. So in the morning, 7.15, pretty much every morning, I'll do a really hard adrenaline pumping class. And then at night, it's very much around something more still and calming and meditative. So tonight, I'm going to a yin yoga class. So those are probably three things that really help me. So reframing your mindset, um, yeah, and then the, the three things that I just unpacked, I won't go through them again, but hopefully that helps a little bit. Amazing. And, and what do you think the biggest changes that can happen in someone's life if they make a decision to to be more positive? I think what I have experienced is it's actually extraordinary I use these words a lot the synchronicity and the serendipity that happened and by that I mean you're just being kind of like oh my gosh there it is oh my gosh there it is and it almost becomes fun and I've noticed in my own life when I've been in a a victim mentality or a poor me or this is so hard why is this happening to me oftentimes things just stay in the darkness and things are hard Whereas when I've managed to flip into that positive mindset, it's actually, I mean, call it law of attraction or whatever you want to, I'm a little bit (laughs) woo-woo, but you'll start to notice these things just opening up. And I often say, and I've written books on this topic, but, you know, if you have an understanding of your purpose or your why or, you know, you maintain a positive mindset, then the how almost takes care of itself. And there's a lot of work out there, you know, done by a lot of other people on this this topic. But I truly believe just try and be grateful, try and stay positive, try and mindset flip and, and you will attract, absolutely guaranteed in my experience, some pretty positive and often unexpected outcomes. Well, I think, I look, I'm a little bit woo-woo too and I, I love that because I think it just it brings the element of magic or the unexpected into your mm. life. The, the, there's a part of you that's not woo-woo though and aside from your positivity, the other thing I associate with you is is hustle. You, um, you're an amazing worker. You've built an amazing business. You're a multimedia business, the Collective Hub. Which do you think is more important? If you had to pick one, is positivity the icing on the cake of a hustle mentality or is a hustle mentality the cherry on top of a positive mindset? Um, I think a hustle mentality is the cherry on top. So you're absolutely right and thank you, Kate. I feel like I am kind of this duality of part, you know, sitting around in an abundance circle calling in all the the great juju in the planet <laughs> and part manifesting and I'm big on visioning and, you know, and I love playing with that and what the universe has to offer and in absolute equal measure I do not believe and it's funny you know I live in Bangalore near Byron Bay and there's a lot of you know people sitting in circles calling yeah. all these amazing <laughs> things I'm like I'm all for that but I'm also a realist and I'm also like you know without you know vision without action is nothing and so I'm very much about you know taking what is the next you know logical step what is the action that I can take to to realize my vision and also you know I do run a very large you know media publishing business now um you know that's in several countries with several platforms and so you know there is very much a a data-driven commercial reality to every single day now and you know if I take my eye off the ball there it would be very easy (laughs) to you know go under very quickly so 
I'm a great believer and I love the play between the two. Um, but I do think, you know, if you want to run something at scale, then you do need that business acumen and the commercial reality coupled with the uh, let's just sit on a rock and sing kumbaya. <laughs> Well, well, let's go back to where it all began. Where did your positivity mindset come from? You said you've had to work at it. So was this something you, you you didn't have as a child? Was it something your parents focused on? Where did it come from? So, I mean, I think it's always good to go backwards to go forwards. And I think it's really important for people to understand that this has not always been the case for me you know I've been through a lot of adversity and had to really come to terms with and you know make friends with a lot of my vulnerabilities and triggers and shortcomings and you know how I was self-sabotaging so I mean I don't know how much you want to dig into this but I've done a lot of therapy and a lot of modalities all over the world over the years but really I look back and my parents divorced when I was about three and um we didn't live with my dad and I only saw him once a year for, I don't know, maybe, well, at least probably eight to 10 years. Um, so that actually manifested or played out in terms of for years, I didn't feel good enough. I had issues to do with abandonment and all these kind of things later. And, you know, then people pleasing, like all sorts of things played into it, which didn't really work in my favor. And so then I spent a lot of my twenties actually quite um, depressed and suicidal and lost. So I think it's important to, you know, that's a precursor to the sort of learned behaviours around positivity. Now, if you look back, my mother would say, I had a great childhood and I did. And, you know, I was probably always full of play and laughter and things. But un the underlying thing was, you know, all of what I've just mentioned. So it, what I did was I made some, some big very conscious decisions and also started on my spiritual journey. And so I gave up um, drinking alcohol 18 and a half years ago. I haven't touched a drop in that time and I've done a lot of therapy. So I really, for me, it was about getting courageous enough to understand what the underlying things were that were keeping me in the shadows or limiting my positivity or my self-belief, you know, my self-esteem as opposed to ego and all of that kind of thing. So it has to a degree become a learned behavior um, and one that I absolutely try and, you know, live in now. It doesn't mean that my life's easy. I mean, I've, you know, nearly lost my business. I've been through eight years and 18 rounds of IVF. My dad died suddenly of a heart attack. Like there's so many things, right, that have been beyond my control and really, you know, quite horrible and lots of adversity to overcome, but it's very different. I kind of talk about pre-2004 when I gave up drinking Lisa and post-2004. And so the way that I deal with those things now is very different to how I would have back then. And whilst, you know, in and of themselves, they're a bit debilitating, I now have the tools to kind of go, okay, how do I mindset flip? What are the lessons? Where do I go with this? How do I keep moving forward? Was was drinking a problem for you, or was it just a, was it just a, a sort of masking of of issues? 
Well, both really. I mean, definitely it was a problem and definitely it was a crutch and it was masking of issues. Um, So it was problematic because of the unpredictability of it. So, you know, sometimes I'd go out and just have a couple of drinks. Other times I'd, you know, go out and binge drink all night and, you know, and then the next morning I used to say, oh my God, I'm going to have to buy a florist to send all the flowers. You know, it was that feeling of fear, guilt, remorse, shame. And I just, you know, didn't want to continue to live with that. So that was one part of it. Yes, it was a a problem for me. And the second part was absolutely, it's not about the drinking. And I think this is what's really important. You know, people go, wow, you put down the drink or whatever it is that anyone who's listening to this is using to self-sabotage or keep themselves small. Once you put down the drink, of course, then it's about putting in the work because the drink was masking whatever else was going on underneath for me at the time. So I then needed to deal with that. If I just put down the drink and didn't deal with, you know, what what the underlying issues were, then I'd be even more of a mess because then I don't have the crutch. I've just got the issues. <laughs> yeah. So I hope that I hope that answers. So it, it's a courageous choice and it, and it began a very long journey of seeking and continuing to learn and, you know, do the work and and I'm perpetually fascinated by my own psychology and human psychology in general. I'm the same. I just find it sort of, it's, it's almost like there's so much to learn and just not enough time to, to learn all about it. I'm, yeah. I'm interested in the, um, you know, people have been talking lately about toxic positivity, this idea that it's really sort of dangerous to suppress all negative emotions or just to be positive all the time. I'm not sure I agree. I think there's so many benefits to being positive, but you know, on the lighter side, do you, do you have people get annoyed with you? Are they like, stop it, Lisa? Like it's, it's not all solvable. Some people I think don't want to believe that you can be positive all the time. Do you sometimes, sometimes people get pissed off with you and say enough? No, never. And I ran a retreat um, about 10 days ago, actually. And one of the topics that um, some of my participants brought up, they said, oh, what, how do you deal with haters or negativity? And touch wood, touch a lot of wood. <laughs> I've been very fortunate that I could literally count on one hand, you know, the negativity that has, that I've been on the receiving end of in, say, the last, I don't know, 15 years. So I'm very fortunate. There you go, me being positive again. <laughs> but what I would say about that is because I'm not always positive, I hope I'm real. So for anyone who follows me on Instagram, for example, like I just tell it how it is all the time. So so I'll oftentimes say this happened and this is whether I'm writing a book or I'm speaking on stage or on Instagram or any any other platform or just talking to a friend. I'll often say this situation happened. It was really shitty and here's the situation. So the vulnerable, authentic piece so people understand. Then I'll be like, and this is what I did about it and these are the lessons learned. So I never, ever, ever, ever just talk about oh, this is amazing. So like at the moment, I mean, an amazing period because, you know, after eight years, we are pregnant, but through my beautiful friend, Sarah um, of 12 and a half years, she's our surrogate carrying our baby. So that is 
positive and amazing, but I very rarely tell that story without contextualising the eight years prior. Um, And that's the same with anything. So I don't think anyone ever has a go at me because it wouldn't be real if I was like, life's amazing. It's amazing because I make it so, but also there's a lot of crap that I've been through to get to certain pieces of amazingness. So I think I tell the journey holistically. If you are in a negative space and uh, and you you just need to sort of go there and and feel it for a while, what do you do? What's your self care then? Do you try immediately to flip out of it, like to do some exercise or to do something, or do you give yourself sometimes a bit of space and just say, "I'm just going to watch some Netflix for a few hours"? Well, what's your sort of self care routine when you're in that really down place? Um. It depends. No, I I don't try and just pull myself out of it. Like I try and feel the feelings because I think this is really important. You know, when you just talked a little bit about um, toxic positivity and I I don't really believe on just being like, oh, well, let's just move on. Everything will be fine. Like I do believe it's very important to feel the feelings um, and be able to sit with them. And again, you know, by just trying to flip myself out of it, instantaneously um sometimes that is also masking you know it's like being busy for the sake of being busy or trying to cover this up for the sake of it or like you know flipping the mindset really quickly it depends on the severity of a situation but no I let myself absolutely have down days and sometimes wallow and have a bit of a pity party but I also do know then that I do have the tools so that might be and sometimes it's not easy right sometimes I'll be like nah I just don't feel like going for a run or you know the last thing I feel like because I feel shitty is sitting and meditating you know so I have a little um fight in my own head sometimes (laughs) but then you know if I really need to pull myself out of it I'll be like right I'm I'm gonna go for a run or sometimes I'll just put on a you know some house deep house song or you know 80s remix or something and just dance it out around the living room like and that might literally look like just shaking every part of my body like just getting it out and going a bit crazy for a song or two um or sometimes I'll just sit quietly and cry you know and that's okay um or I try not to, you know, having lived with depression for many years, I'll try not to, although sometimes I do do it, um, just, you know, go and lie in bed and just try and sleep it off. Like I try not to do that because that generally puts me into a darker space. So I do try and move or, you know, do something that's going to move it through. It's interesting that idea about moving. You know, they say that dogs are very good like that. You know how they get up and they literally shake. They, yes. do, they do a full shake. They know how to, and animals are quite good. They know how to sort of almost shake off that that energy. Mm. We're, we're yeah. as good as being in touch with our, our bodies as, as perhaps animals are. You've taken that can-do attitude into every area of your life, it would seem, but there was this one area where you couldn't, force it through right and that is where your fertility um um issues sort of came in you thought that Mm. you would be able to do it you thought this was a problem you could solve Mm. what was it like when you got to the point where you realized i mean maybe there were many points along the way where you realized i i can't just make this happen as much as i want to Mm. there were many points because i think that's the thing now that i'm sort of um you know, the eternal optimist, or I generally live with a, you know, positive outlook. And in my business as an entrepreneur, I mean, my whole life 
is about problem solving. And I relish in that, you know, and I, I constantly am flipping things or finding other ways to do things. And I kind of love, I love that, you know, that's one of the traits that holds us in good stead, stead to be an entrepreneur. But in the instance of fertility, it's um it's very complex because as much as I went at it from every angle and and that is a trait you know that I have learned over the years I was like okay well I've tried you know I've tried naturally okay that's not working all right I'll try um I mean actually I'll go back even before that years ago I tried to um, adopt a baby when I didn't have a partner. Then I was like, then I still didn't have a partner. I was like, I will do IVF with donor sperm. That didn't work. I then met my current partner. We've been together nearly seven years and we were like, let's try naturally. Okay, let's try IVF. So all of these little points along the way give a glimmer um, of hope. And I think sometimes it's just changing up the way you're doing things or exploring something else that keeps us, you know, in that, um, the idea of the potential or, you know, it keeps that sense of wonder or it could happen. So there's been a number of different things. And then it would be like, well, I'll try, you know, acupuncture three times a week in conjunction with IVF, or I'll try taking 90 tablets a day. That sounds excessive, but I was doing that at one point and it was 50, 50 little teeny tiny tablets that you throw in at once. So it's a lot. Or I'll try, you know, all of the things. So I think it's all those little points that just kept me going. But then, you know, and and also, I mean, fertility and the sort of very unregulated, um, it's, it's a very, it's like the Wild West out there. Um, I think unfortunately and this is where the toxic positivity piece maybe plays into it is that there's a lot of people out there in the industry that are preying on hope and preying on your vulnerability because you're so desperate to get pregnant and so all we kept hearing was oh no no, no but your eggs are fine and everything's fine it's just a numbers game just keep going so that is where it's a dangerous game because the po- the positive person inside of me was like okay well we'll just keep going we'll just keep going um, and then it got to a certain point, you know, after, you know, financially, physically and emotionally, I was completely drained. And that's when, you know, but I was still exploring and that's when we went down the surrogacy route. So so I did find an answer in the end and it certainly wasn't the answer I would have ever expected. But having said that, it's actually the most amazing way I could ever imagine bringing our baby boy into the world now. Do you think if someone had said to you then had been if the industry had been a bit different and they'd said, Lisa, it's 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 not going to work. This is this is not a goer. Would that have been the right thing? Would you have believed it, or would you have just still do you think progressed until you came to that conclusion yourself? So, see, in business, if something happens, like say the supply chain, and by that I mean say my books aren't landing on the wharf, or you know we someone owes us money whatever it is i i go to my logistics person my distribution person my accountant my lawyer like i've got such a team of trusted people around me that i'll problem solve and go okay what do we do with that the difficult thing was probably a lack of education on my part and so you just trust these people who just like we would have a um debriefing conversation 
with the IVF clinic at the end of every cycle. And they'd literally, we'd say, okay, what can we do differently? You know, we just wanted answers. And they would literally say, no, 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 everything's in working order, just keep going. And yes, in hindsight, I think it would have been useful if they had have said, actually, you know, we've not seen this before, you know, 16 rounds of IVF, you know, most people, like we recommend, we weren't given options. We weren't told, oh, why don't you try donor eggs or why don't you try surrogacy? Because there are a lot of other options, but we were never within that clinic. None of those were ever brought to our attention. And um, partially that's my fault. And partially I think there's a responsibility to these people who are doing this day in and day out. They're the ones who've got the statistics. They're the ones who are seeing what is going on. And so, yeah, some of that information earlier would have been good because as it turns out, there were a number of other options that we could have explored. Yeah. And look, you be, you've now about to have a baby in, in August. Yes. <laughs> You look absolutely thrilled and it's yeah. a, an incredible um, gift that your your friend has, has offered you. And I know you've got an incredibly close friendship with this woman. That almost sounds like it might not have happened the way you expected it, but you, you did manifest it in the end, didn't you? Yeah. So I think, Kate, my most important lesson around all of this is whatever it is, in life, again, it comes down to what I said before. Um, you know, if we know what our purpose is, or if we hold really closely what is the thing or a number of things that are just so important to us, if you hold that really, really closely and you truly believe it, then I think it's about staying open and surrendering and detaching from the outcome that we think it should look like and in this case I have proved that again I've done that in business many many times but you know because I stayed open to what it could look like um we are now having a baby in well seven to eight weeks I think depending <laughs> let's see That's um, exciting. Which, congratulations which, thank you which is extraordinary and that is largely due to the kindness of my beautiful friend Sarah who in 2018 actually said to me you know if you ever want someone to carry your baby I would you know look at being a surrogate and I wasn't ready then I was like oh my gosh that's so generous and amazing but no thank you but uh, in March 2022 I reached out to her and said you know and she said, how's the IVF going? And I was like, not so great. You're still open to being a surrogate. And that's how that conversation started. And now she is carrying our baby boy, which is just so miraculous. And yes, you can't wipe the smile off my face around that now. <laughs> it's been yeah. a long time coming. It's a it's an overused word, isn't it? Miracle. But I think in this instance, it really is a is a beautiful miracle. So that's just wonderful. Yeah, well, thank you. You said earlier, when we first started talking, you talked about those those three things. And one you said was to lean into the things that light you up. Now, I get that. But the other part is you sort of said, say no to other things. I think yeah. that's where people find it tricky because there's a lot of things in this world that you feel you should do or you have to do, I mean, even maybe exercise is one of those sort of things. I love to exercise. It's a part of, it's a, luckily it's a habit for me. No, I don't love to exercise. It's a habit for me. It's something I do. I appreciate all its effects, but do I want to do it all the time? Not really. It's one of those mm. things 
I know I should do, and I'm fortunate that I've managed to bring it into my life as a habit. How, yeah. how, do, you, how do you separate the things, as you said, leaning into the things you love and not doing so much? How do you separate it from the things that you kind of still should do? Yeah, I think it's just letting my doggy Benny in. He's like, speaking of needing to do things, <laughs> he's like outside the door saying, I need to come in, Mama. Um, I think separating it. Look, I, I think I've really learned the power of no over the years. And that is extraordinarily difficult for a people pleaser like me. And also, I mean, literally just before I came on this podcast, for example, um, an email came through to me saying, um, we want you to host this um, TV series. And, you know, I was like, oh, this sounds amazing. And my ego was like, incredible. Wow, this is really cool. And then I went back and was like, oh, well, what's the, what are the commercials and what's the timing on this? And the commercials didn't look great. And also the timing, they want it to happen. You know, it's something to do with the bub, um, post bub. So I was like, well, as much as my ego is saying this is flipping amazing, I'm like, nah, it doesn't work for me because I want to take some time out. It's really important to me. And also commercially at the moment, I need to consciously choose, you know, what's going to work. So I kind of put things through a few different litmus tests. And that's tricky because, you know, as um, in the business sense, you know, we're doing pretty well globally now. There's a lot of attention on um, my products. Um, we're having a lot of success in the US and then also the accidental parenting journey has kind of blown up in the media and, um, you know, I'm on a lot of morning TV at the moment and everything else. So there's a lot of amazing opportunities coming at me for me um, and I'm having to say no to things and be selective based on, you know, time. I mean, that's our only finite resource and where is my time best spent? In terms of the the gym and things, sometimes I'm like, I really don't feel like doing it, but I always, you know, future cast there and I go, okay, how am I going to feel if I don't do it? And I know for sure when I don't do my training, it's as much for my mind or more for my mind than my body. And if I don't do it, I'm generally, you know, a bit unsettled during the day or I don't feel grounded or I, I don't feel like I've set myself up properly. So that's how I kind of play with that. I mean, there's so many ways that I make decisions, most of them intuitive based on learned behaviours and not negotiables. But I think the power of no is often more important than the power of yes. We, I know we don't have a lot of time yet left because you're a, a busy woman. You are <laughs> an author, you're an entrepreneur, you're a businesswoman, you've built an incredible uh, you know, multimedia business and you're, you're a successful woman. But I wonder, does success equal happiness? And the second part of that question would be, and what is the difference between achievement and success? Ah, it is a wonderful question. And I was actually watching the um, Selena Gomez documentary um, a couple of nights ago, and, and it is fascinating. And there's so much, I don't know why I'm fascinated by music documentaries, but this very topic she kind of addressed, and you would imagine here she is, you know, um, on all these stages all over the world, but it is absolutely, in her words, not equating to happiness. And she's feeling, you know, out there very public, but very, very lonely underneath. So I think for me, that's something that I've really looked at very carefully and closely. I mean, uh, I know for sure that 
my success, and I'm doing that in inverted commas, um, in the business world, is kind of that um, high energy, high octane, adrenaline pumping, fist pumping moments where I'm like, this is so fun and all these opportunities are coming up and I, I love it. But the moments truly that bring me happiness and joy are, the smaller things often that money can't buy it's the moments with family and friends and it's the moment of true real connection and definitely that's very much a conscious choice that I've been leaning into since learning that we were pregnant and even before um this is my 22nd year of having my own business and I decided and it's been hard to extrapolate myself to go once my baby boy is here I want to very consciously and purposely take time out away from social media, away from my business and really just lean into being a mother and connecting, you know, much more one-on-one and in real life. And I think oftentimes people perceive that, you know, which I do a lot of now speaking on stages all over the world or having quite a public persona. Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. And I'll often do a speaking gig and someone in the audience will say, oh, how do I grow a personal brand like you? Or how do I do this? And my question to them is always why? Like, really lean into why you want to do it because a lot of it can be very lonely. I know so many people on the speaking circuit, friends of mine who literally jump on stage in front of a thousand people and go back to their hotel room by themselves that night and it can be a, a lonely life. So You're quite yeah. nice though too, Lisa, to go back to a hotel room every now and then by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think it comes back to feeling all the time, like questioning at your core, what is it that makes you happy? Um, what lights you on fire? Why are you doing it? Is it for ego? Is it or is it that something that truly that something that really lights your soul on fire? Um, so I'm always every day I question myself, like, does this feel right? Do I feel in alignment? Is this making me happy? Am I being in service to others? But at the detriment of myself like I'm constantly checking in on that and self-regulating around it. Well you made a really big decision in terms of um, I guess it was a, a, a real call out to the universe wasn't it when you sort of said material possessions in the form of my home uh, you sold mm. your home to help fund mm. your, your fertility so is that another thing that you've come to realize that there are more important things than than those sort of material and that's a big one that's not just a mm. car or a new stereo mm. that's, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah that decision to, because you needed that money to pursue another goal yeah so my um my he calls him my hubby let's call him my hubby he's not he always says he's my hubby we've been engaged forever and a day and together for like seven years but he said something really important to me um when we were pursuing this and you know I was having a bit of a breakdown he said you know if this is the goal that we want you know our priority is to have a baby it doesn't matter if it costs one dollar or a million dollars like you know this is it and that was a real really good reframe for me and we just made a decision that um you know that all the material possessions in the world did not matter really in comparison to this now the great irony and you could call this me being the queen of manifestation if you like is that because um uh, this journey, our surrogacy journey, has actually <laughs> garnered so much attention from everywhere because I think it's such a positive story. 
so many brands are reaching out to me saying, can I send you this? Can I send you this? So it's actually <laughs> quite beautiful when, you know, we don't have that much money because so much of it has gone into the fertility journey that there's so many kind souls saying, can we send you a pram? Can we send you a cot? Like it's actually been exquisitely amazing. So thank you to all of those brands. So things do, again, I will say, have a way of coming around in the most unexpected of ways sometimes you know if you make a decision and you really stick to it then the universe somehow does seem to reward you you know oftentimes in ways that you can't even imagine and also I would say through all of that pain the other rewards are just the byproduct is just how many people we're helping with this journey since we went public about it like you know I would say hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands and thousands now, because we've been doing so much, um, you know, TV and things, print, all the media, um, the amount of people that it's impacting and it's opening up, not only about the surrogacy journey, but the other options or just helping people to think differently about life in general and the options that are available or that they may think in a different way. And I mean, that's what I write so many of my books about is kind of mindset flip anyway. I've got a couple of really quick questions before we go, but I do want to congratulate you because you are an inspirational woman. You you do go out with such a beautiful um, message of posit positivity. And as you said, even around this journey, which has been, um, you know, I know so difficult for you at times, you've, you've managed to bring this real sort of um, amazing positivity to it. But but yeah, I wanted to say thank you to you know not 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 just around the fertility, but but certainly just around all the other things you've done because you've been really inspirational and it's um it's a beautiful message that you put out into the world. Thank I've got you. a few really quick questions. Quickly, what are you reading? You know, I ha always have so many things on the go. Um, I'm pendulating between novels, um, nonfiction, and what am I reading at the moment? It's the Danish way of parenting. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> one little bit of parenting but um yeah I'm, I'm going between lots of different ones and what about are you watching anything are you streaming anything good at the moment um what if I just watched I just watched the Selena Gomez and before that I watched um oh God, Michael J Fox is it called still um I'm I'm a bit of a sucker for a good documentary and I love sort of um biopics or yeah anything that's sort of autobiographical I really love um yeah they're probably the things that I've looked at most recently okay so if we were in a bit of a speed dating situation but we weren't dating you had to just jump between person and person and you had to give them really quickly three really fast pieces of advice for, for living a happy life what would they be really dig deep into what your purpose is, you know, what you feel like sets your soul on fire. Um, never underestimate the power of simple things in life. Just, you know, and also I would say definitely lean into connection, connection with self and connection with others. And uh, number four, sorry, um, <laughs> definitely being in service. Whenever I'm in a funk myself, if I reach out and help someone else in what whatever way it is, whether it's fostering puppies or helping out of a soup kitchen or answering a DM from a stranger, I absolutely feel better when I take Jonas off me. Well, they're beautiful. Thank you very much, Lisa. But it's been amazing speaking to you and um, I hope we can talk again um, soon. Amazing. Thank you, Kate.